Amen. You can be seated. So today is a big day, always a big day in the life of Redemption Church because it is graduation Sunday. Woohoo! Yikes. Ooh, I'm going to need that. And um, I should tell you, this is, it's kind of a special year because this is the first class of graduates who were born in, or could have been, born into the Redemption Church family. So some of these guys, literally, this is the only church they've ever been to. They were born in the first year that Redemption was at church. They were brought here against their will as infants, and they have stayed um, inexplicably, um, including my son, including Nick. It's crazy. Um, um, and this is a big day. You know, in, in our society, graduates, um, high school graduation is a major civic rite of passage. Like, it's a big deal. This degree means a change of status for you guys. You have kind of a new standing in our society. Like, you can say, I'm a high school graduate. Not that you couldn't say that. Like, you can get the words out. I'm a high school cacacawood. Like, you could say it. You could sit. But now it's true. You are. You've proven you know how to finish something important, how to follow through to the end. I know your high school experience hasn't been everything you thought it would be because COVID happened, but you made it. You're here, and you can say, I'm a graduate, and that comes with certain rights and privileges we know the rest of us do. And on that count, we're really proud of you. But um, it's also kind of a spiritual rite of passage as well a time when we recognize that you guys are kind of moving from being students to being just adults, part of, part of the congregation. And um, we see you guys, the church, we see you. We see you, the hard work that you've put in, and we're, we're proud of you for that. And we've watched you struggle and keep the faith, and we're saying, in a sense, you don't have anything else to prove to us. Um, we believe in you, and now we just want you to be part of us. And there is with this, this this recognition that sort of up to now, you've been a little bit dependent on us, um, but now more and more things are going to switch, and the church is going to be more dependent upon you. There's a sense that um, we know our future depends on you guys, you know, and, and we, could, we could make you come before. Like, we could make you be part of things before, but more and more it's going to be your choice, and yet we need you to be faithful. Every week you come to redemption, we pray this blessing over you. We do this for all our kids. We say, may you never know a single moment that you don't feel part of the people of God. And we say this because we knew this moment would come. This day would come when you kind of have to start to decide for yourself if you're going to be part of this. And um, we, we blessed you each day like that because we wanted to remind you we knew this day would be coming and so much is riding on on what you do from here for your life and for the church. And this is how it always is, because like with every new generation, the church kind of has to be reborn again in the hearts of people like you. Somebody has to lead when we're old and crusty and can't do it, and it's going to have to be you guys. And we gather today in part to say, we, we really do believe in you. You can do it. And so wherever you land in your life, um, from here on out, we want you to find a church and be faithful to it. Make it beautiful. Sustain it through your presence and, and your faithfulness. 
And part of why we take a whole Sunday morning to do this isn't just so your parents can cry and have a sentimental moment, although I'm, I'm going to lose it, I'll be in the back. Um, <laughs> but we're inviting you um, into a new way of being with us, um, a new stage in your life as a Christian, and it has more responsibility now. And we're saying that we need you. The church universal needs you to be faithful. So you guys, we're, we're, we're so proud of all of you. Um, we're grateful to have gotten to be part of your lives and just blown away by your faithfulness and your goodness. And um, you have been already such a blessing to Redemption Church. And we can't wait to see where God takes you from here. And our prayer is always that um, the, the life of the church will be your concern and that your life will be part of it always. So with that, I am going to call forward Cole McGee, our youth pastor, to take it from here. Come on up, Cole. We're good? Okay, check. Can you hear me okay? This is on? All right, good. Wonderful. Hey, look at that. My name's Cole. I'm the youth pastor here. Uh, it is graduation Sunday. This is kind of uh, my Super Bowl. Um, so I'm very, uh, I'm excited about performing the graduation ceremony for these students because every year it feels like this senior class I just really get really close to. And they've obviously they've been here the longest. And uh, that is the same for this class. Um, I, I feel I'm going to miss this class. At Redemption Church, we say that this graduation ceremony is a rite of passage. You seniors are moving from the youth ministry at Redemption into full participation into what it means to be the people of God. Okay, so what do I mean by all of that? You notice I didn't say that today you're, you are becoming the people of God, as if yesterday you were not the people of God and today you are. I'm not saying that. As Bonhoeffer said when he reflects on young people in the church, he says, you hold no unique standing in this community. You are equal members of the church. And Bonhoeffer reminds us that there is nothing that you are going through that these adults aren't also going through right now. Yes, right? I actually mean that. There is a 65-year-old somewhere in this room, in this church, that's working through the same struggles and yearnings that you have had over the last 18 years. <clears throat> They might take different forms, they might use other words, but there is a 65-year-old, there is a 40-year-old professional, there is a 32-year-old stay-at-home parent that is listening to me talk right now, and that at some point over the last week, they thought to themselves, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> Do I actually believe in God? Is my relationship with the person I love going to make it? Will I ever heal from these wounds? What am I good at? Do people like me? Where do I belong? So here's the thing. You all have always been the people of God because you are human just like us. You are wounded just like us. You struggle just like us. You are following Jesus and learning how to love just like us. So this morning, this rite of passage is an announcement to the congregation 
that these students are ready for full participation as the people of God. This is almost less about them as it is, as it is an announcement to you. These students are prepared. And I'm here to tell you that they have something to say to us. They have an experience to share with us. They have a story to tell. They have something that God is bringing into the world through them. Throughout my speeches for these students, I will call this this thing that God is bringing into the world through them a spiritual gift. And my job this morning is to introduce each student to the congregation and then name what I see God bringing into the world through them. This gift that God has given you is yours to share with the people of God. So we're going to go one by one. And as I call your name, what you're going to do is you're going to step up to the middle, right here in the middle, awkwardly, and stare at everybody. (laughs) And they come to the center. I will give you a glimpse into who these students are, and then I will name a spiritual gift for them. After that, an an adult leader is going to walk, one one of the small group leaders is going to walk over to you. They're going to give you one of these books. And uh, then you're going to walk over, passing over into this new life as the people of God. Does this make sense? You with me? Okay. Claire Winston, come on up. Okay, so I love Claire, uh, but Claire drives me crazy. Uh, You might be thinking, wow, what a start. But uh, watch this, watch this. I know that Claire loves me, but Claire, do I drive you crazy? Yes, okay, good, good. Here's the thing about Claire. Uh, she is a walking contradiction. You will, you will often find her complaining about the very things she believes. She is wildly smart and simultaneously is dubious about school. She is not wild about children, but is the best at and loves to hold babies. Claire is an incredibly loyal friend, but don't ask her questions about herself. You get answers that at first seem very vulnerable and honest, and they are. But after 10 minutes, you realize Claire has not divulged any information about herself that you didn't already know, and suddenly you realize you've been talking for about 20 minutes about yourself. (laughs) Claire is a bundle of opposites, and at the center of her is a deep tension. And it's actually one of the more cool things about Claire that I want to introduce to you. The reason I think this little insight into Claire is so cool is because most students hate conflict. Most students work incredibly hard to avoid the anxiety at the center of themselves. Claire is different. Claire has made a home there. And instead of working hard to resolve the tension, she somehow transforms the energy that emanates from that tension into kindness and empathy for those on the margins and on the outside. Claire, this is why I name in you the gift of interpretation. It would be easy to say, (laughs) yes, it would be easy to say that Claire works really hard and helps people. It's a great listener, a great conversationalist, that's easy. But what is distinctive about Claire is that when you talk to her, she actually hears you and she can actually articulate what you think and understand where you are coming from. She's really good at that. And she might not believe you. She, she, might, not go, she might go, okay, whatever. But she actually, she actually hears you. And Claire, this is rare. And this is my theory. I think the skill comes from Claire always being in conversation with herself. Hear me out. This tension at the center of Claire requires deep negotiations with herself. 
And Claire, more than a lot of students, has had to work really hard at listening to herself and making peace with seemingly opposite and conflicting ideas that live within her. And she's worked super hard to find a way to love the parts of her that she finds hard to love. And this skill of listening and understanding and interpreting and making peace has come into the world through her. And Claire, I just want to say thank you for listening to me, for hearing us, all of us, and thank you for stubbornly reminding me of all the ways I leave people out and all the things that I often want to push away and ignore about myself and others. Thank you for interpreting the voices of those that we often find hard to love. Don't quit doing that. However, I pray you hear the one thing that I find you sometimes have a hard time hearing. Claire, we love you and we are proud of you. Abby, Abby Sorrell. Good. Abby, you were always smiling and bouncing around the room, and it took me like four years to finally have a real conversation with you. Not because we had issues or something, uh, but because it's quite tough to get Abby to sit and talk about anything for very long. But it was in the fall. This is true. Uh, it's just true. Sorry. Uh, but it was in the fall, and Tristan came up to me and said, um, hey, I think Abby's having a tough time. And I said, okay, I'll try to talk to her and see what's going on. So I was walking around the church looking for you, and I saw you sitting in, in the sanctuary in a chair, and you were just kind of sitting with your arms straight down and your head down. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> so I sat down in front of you and, you know, turned the chair around backwards and sat in it, the universal sign that a youth pastor is about to relate to the kids. <laughs> and I said, hey, Abby. I said, Abby, how are you doing? And it was obvious you were not doing great. And I could see on your face, you ultimately, you were really tired. And there, there are some students that I know well enough to know where they're coming from. And there are some students that I don't know as well. But I see what's going on in their life. And I can kind of sort out how I can speak into their lives and give them some good news. Abby didn't grow up at Redemption, and so I quickly realized that for some reason, and that I wasn't quite sure of, this girl was super tired. Abby wrestles, like wrestles for school, like she wrestles. <laughs> she has an Instagram business. She works out constantly. She drives herself. She journals. She is constantly into things and learning things, and she's, she's going to school in Wyoming. I mean, like, Wyoming. Who goes to school in Wyoming? Right. <laughs> And sometimes, and sometimes I get the impression, sometimes I get the impression that Abby is working really hard for you to see that Abby is working really hard. And Abby, I know you have worked really hard to build a life and a future. You've had to work abnormally hard to make things happen for you. And this is why I want to name in you the gift of miracles. Now hear me out. Abby, you don't perform miracles. I mean, you, you might. I'm, I don't know what you do in your spare time. But... <laughs> I name in you the gift of miracles because I pray you see that while your work ethic and your drive is really special, your gift is not what you have accomplished or how hard you work. That's not the miracle. The miracle is you. And you never have to accomplish things. You never have to accomplish anything for redemption to be proud of you. You don't have to become something epic for us to say we want you around. Abby, we love you and we are proud of you.
Subtle. It feels like Nick has been in youth group for 45 years. <laughs> the reason is because Nick seemingly never misses youth group. He is here all the time. And since seventh grade, he is, has been unbelievably consistent. He comes in, he waves hey to me, he goes to the corner with his buddies and waits for youth group to get going. After youth group's over, I walk out to see him sitting on the counter in the kitchen, especially when you were younger, sitting on the counter in the kitchen, and he'd just be laughing at Tristan and Tanner as they would say something wild and borderline inappropriate. <laughs> and let's be honest, it was not borderline. <laughs> but I always noticed that wherever Nick would go, I started to notice this, like, wherever he'd go, a group would kind of just hover around him. Like, yeah. Here's the weird thing. Nick never acted like he was interested in a lot of the things going on. Like, Nick would be on his phone, okay? He'd be on his phone. He'd laugh at people making jokes. He'd occasionally, you know, talk some sports or something. He was always there, but I, I never really got a sense that he was, like, super engaged in what was going on. And I remember small group leaders coming up to me and saying, so what's the deal with Nick? Does he, like, does he like youth group? And I'd say, yeah, I think so. He's always down to show up and be at the events, but we're just going to have to wait and see what Nick wants to give his energies to. You know, like what Nick is passionate about. We're going to have to wait and just look for it and see. And the strange thing, the strange thing about Nick is that the fire was always in there. I remember one time I came up to Nick in the atrium and I just said to him what I thought. I was, I was talking to him and I said, Nick, you know what's interesting about you is that you act so chill on the outside but I can see you at times under the surface. You're pretty fired up, aren't you? You're almost a little angry inside. And he looked at me, and he got a little teary-eyed. Not because he was sad or because I hurt him, but because I think it was true. <laughs> Nick, Nick has like this simmering energy just under the surface. And for five years, I've been trying to figure out what we can attach all that pent-up energy to. And so, Nick, it's true. Small group leaders, past high school interns, I, we would spend a ton of time trying to figure out how do, how do we get Nick to be all in on this game or this activity? What can we do to get Nick to go all in on this? What does Nick want to give his energies to? We kept working to figure it out because when you are locked in, you make the youth group time so much more fun and exciting. But it wasn't until last year that I realized, last year, that I realized uh, I had been asking the wrong question about Nick. I kept ask, asking what gets Nick fired up and, and what, do we, what, what does Nick give his energies to? And I realized the question actually is who does Nick want to give his energies to? And this is why I name in you, Nick, the gift of fidelity or faithfulness. Despite my inept leadership of you as a youth pastor, what I didn't realize was that since seventh grade, since seventh grade, Nick has been using his energies for friendship. And because I didn't recognize it as being meaningful enough, I couldn't see Nick for Nick. Nick was slowly building a community of people around him that he would drag around to every youth group, to every event, to every hangout night at his house. He was, he was constructing an ever-growing group of friends that, that followed him and did whatever it is he did. Nick was using all of the what's in his life to build a community of who's in his life. Nick is faithful to people. 
even the ones who drive him crazy. In a very cruciform way, he's actually more faithful to them. I don't know why. Nick loves track and music and video games and his phone. Man, he loves his phone. His phone. <laughs> but Nick is about, faithful, is about faithfulness to his friends. God is bringing the gift of faithfulness into the world through you, Nick. And your ability to build faithful communities around you is a Nick gift that I pray you continue to do. Building community is holy work. And it is not something that many people can do. You are a great friend, and you have made our youth group so much better by your faithfulness. Nick, we love you, and we're proud of you. Lincoln Barteltz. Lincoln. So Lincoln, I, I don't know I don't know Lincoln as well as the other seniors. Lincoln and his family started coming to Redemption in the last few months. However, um, Lincoln has been consistently engaging in our youth class on Sunday and youth group nights on Wednesday, uh, and I've and I've loved getting to know him. The first thing I found out about Lincoln is that he loves movies. He loves movies. Now let's be clear, not like I love Transformers, okay, um, or whatever movies on the front page of Netflix. Lincoln loves movies, like he has Oscar predictions and uh, has opinions about CODA as the best picture of the year. This dude loves film and I find that simultaneously amazing and hilarious. You just don't find students who love movies like that. So if you talk to Lincoln, you'll quickly see he's, he's somewhat quiet yet confident. Um, he listens well and he gives you real space for a conversation. And when I would ask Lincoln a question or call on him in class, I've never once thought that I was interrupting Lincoln or disrupting him for whatever it is that he wanted to do or talk about. As I get older, I can kind of feel when I'm being annoying to a high school student, like bugging them. I might be bugging Lincoln, but I cannot tell. <laughs> this is why I name in you the gift of generosity. Lincoln gives his time and energies in effortless ways and without you sensing you're being a burden to him. So let me reiterate this. Lincoln came to our previous work day here at the church where he did a bunch of projects on the building and ground. He came on his own in the morning. His family came in the afternoon to join him. And, and Lincoln, Lincoln worked for approximately seven hours here at the church. And I never once sensed, man, this kid is annoyed right now. I never once sensed, like, he doesn't want to be doing this. He just kept coming back to me after our project was done and was like, what else you got? What else can I do? So Lincoln, thank you for your generosity, your patience, and your willingness to open up space and let the inconvenience of our youth group happen in and around you. I sincerely wish I could have gotten to know you sooner in life. We could have had so many movie nights. We still can. But I'm excited to see you mature and use your gift of generosity for the sake of the world. Lincoln, we love you and we're proud of you. Ethan Coe. So at Redemption, we work really hard to try and break down the walls of youth group and Sunday morning. It is typical of high school students to come to youth group on Wednesday, but when it comes to Sunday, for a variety of reasons, they struggle to be together on Sunday the way they are on Wednesday. So the work of our youth ministry is difficult. 
You know, we're trying to build a youth community on Wednesday inside of Redemption Church, not adjacent to it. And so we're always trying to drag kids this Sunday morning in any way we can to show them that they're full members of Redemption as a whole. The youth group goes, the youth group goes away, but this church community carries on. So whatever it is inside a high school student that is that barrier between Wednesday and Sunday, whatever that is, Ethan Coe does not have that. He's never had that, and I'm not sure he even knows what I'm talking about right now. <laughs> Coe just shows up at Redemption by himself to church all the time. He will listen to the sermons on his own. He will, uh, we went to Colorado, and he was like opened up the YouTube live stream during, on our trip to Colorado and was like, you even know we have a live stream? Like, what's happening right now? He shows up with a list of questions that he's been thinking about in relation to the sermon or my youth talks. He volunteers on his own. My friend Micah, who used to teach at Kansas City Christian, said to me one time that Ethan would just show up and eat lunch in his room and he'd just talk to him, ask questions, and converse like an adult. He just does adult stuff all the time, on his own, and I'm not sure he knows. It's kind of shocking. But it was his wilderness talk a few years ago that made me definitively see Ethan's gift. Ethan is talented and capable of so many things, but his wilderness talk, and those of you who were there know exactly what I'm talking about, his wilderness talk was God bringing something into the world through him. Ethan, I name in you the gift of teaching. Ethan, you are an exceptional communicator. You can break down your thoughts and your ideas with clarity and ease. And as you were talking last year during your wilderness talk, you not only had your peers completely locked in on the story you were telling, Every adult in the room was in the palm of your hand. And, and I honestly wish you could have seen yourself speak. Because I'm not, sure, whew, I'm not sure you realized the power you had in the room that night. And you've always let me speak honestly with you. And you've always been honest with me. So let me say this to you. The gift of teaching and communication is a powerful gift that can be used in a lot of broken ways. I name that gift in you, however, it does come with a warning. Continue to do the work, Ethan. Keep shaping your mind and your heart to learn, to grow, and expand your soul. As you map your life and you keep working to make sense of what God is doing with you, I pray you do the work to discipline your gift through education and spiritual formation. Teachers and communicators can fake it. They can skip the labor of education and formation and simply charm people with the way they communicate. But I think God is bringing the gift in the world through you, because if there's one thing I know about you, you do not mind the work. Don't lose that. And don't be afraid to teach us as God unveils the truth of your life to you. Ethan, we love you and we are proud of you. Tristan Madden. New haircut, Tristan Madden. Looks good. We were in Arkansas on a hiking trip, and we went to this valley that had a waterfall and some cool boulders and all these swimming pools of water. And most people would say, cool, I love taking in the sights and sounds of this place. And most people might say, yeah, let's, let's try to see how far we can go into the, into the valley without, you know, dying. <laughs> Tristan is not most people. Um, and I learned on this trip that Tristan makes difficult things look very easy. There was this rock wall that went about 50 feet in the air 
and um, with his bare hands and squirrel-like reflexes, <laughs> Tristan scampered up the side of this rock wall and stood on the top of the rock, like 50 feet in the air. And to be clear, the top of the rock was like the size of your living room end table, and he's just standing there triumphant in his conquest. <laughs> and at this point, Tristan was like a sophomore in high school, and I think to myself, all right, I'm going to show this kid I can match his energy. <laughs> I mean, obviously, that looked really easy. I, I can do this. And, you know, it wasn't as bad as I thought. I mean, I got up like 25 feet, and then I realized suddenly going up was really easy. Uh, but how exactly was I going to get down? <laughs> I then realized I was 25 feet in the air, and I called out to Tristan, but he had moved on. <laughs> uh, he doesn't even know this happened, probably. But I was suspended 25 feet in the air, and through the efforts of God, leaders, and senior interns, I got, my, I got my shaking legs off the rock and down the side of the boulder. But I realized that Tristan make th makes things look pretty easy. And it was later that tri trip that I noticed that Ethan Martin, one of our, interns, or, or our seniors over here, began falling into the same trap that I did. He started following Tristan around, going into ever more dangerous and higher climbs. And while Ethan today would be fine to do that, Ethan, back then, looked like a newborn giraffe. <laughs> I, lo I love you, Ethan. And I got a little nervous. I said, oh, no, Tristan's going to get Ethan killed. But I didn't want to tell Ethan, hey, don't hang out with Tristan. He's going to get you killed. Because that wasn't true, but Tristan was just being reckless. So I said, I said Tristan, hey, man, I need you to rein it in a bit, or just rein it in. And I was like, Tristan... It was as if he knew this conversation was coming. He said, I'm not going to get hurt. And I said, look, I'm, I'm responsible not only to you, but I'm also responsible to your mom and dad, and I need you to rein it in a bit. And Tristan said, they don't care if I go higher. Here, I'll call them. <laughs> so then I just, so then, like, I just said what I wanted to say. Tristan, I know you'll be fine. You're like a squirrel with monkey hands. I'm not actually worried about you. I am a little, but people follow you. And they might not be the same as you, and they might not be able to navigate what you can navigate. And you might not get hurt, but they might. Can you give up a little bit of your ability for the sake of the group? And Tristan, this is why I name in you the gift of service. Tristan is not going to like this because he constantly finds himself in these positions in life. Do you serve or do you work to maximize your potential? Do you give up a bit of yourself for the sake of, the, of others, or do you use every ounce of energy and time and resources to experience all of the most epic and cool things about life? Tristan, this, te this tension does have a resolution for you. We were in Colorado on another hiking trip. Uh, this time Tristan was a senior, and the cabin was in the middle of the woods, and they had these bear alarms around the cabin. And every night the alarms were just constantly going off. <laughs> It was like our, cow, our cabin was surrounded by bears at night. Uh, and one night, my car alarm goes off. And everyone bolts up out of bed, like, what the heck is going on? And it was a bear. I knew it was a bear. They didn't know it was a bear, but I knew a bear had opened up our car and the car alarm was going off. So I look at the Suburban and the back door is open. And the car alarm won't go off until I go outside and shut that door. <laughs> So I grab a fireplace poker and step out in front of the, in, in, uh, the front door in the middle of the night. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to die in front of all these students. My other leaders were nowhere to be found. And 
no one was going outside, and I get five steps out the front door, and right behind me I hear, Cole, can I help? <laughs> I think to myself, Tristan, no, go inside. I turn around and look, and he looks like this, and I was like, actually, you might be helpful. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Josh and Jenny, if your son dies, but look at him. He might actually help me. Uh, Tristan, but the thing is, Tristan, in that scenario, you weren't in front of me. You actually were behind me, filling me with confidence to know I wasn't alone. The idea that someone who was more than capable had my back, supporting me, filling me with confidence and gave me the courage I needed to do something I didn't know I could do for the sake of the youth group. This time you didn't leave me on a rock suspended in the air. You had my back and we got an epic and cool story out of it. Tristan, we love you and we're proud of you. Ethan Martin. Ethan graduated high school in December and is currently working two to three jobs. He was a fantastic high school intern. He's going to school in Arizona in the fall. He ran sound for us. Uh, he ran sound, he's gonna run sound this summer. Um, he's responsible for helping this place function at levels you don't even know. Uh, he has an amazing attitude. He hardly ever, I mean, hardly ever complains. He is unbelievably punctual, organized, and disciplined. But if you ask him to stand behind the counter at youth group and sell candy and soda to students, he will lose his mind. <laughs> this isn't because he hates your children. Um, he, he loves them. It's also not because he's taking some moral stance against consumerism seeping its way into youth group. <laughs> Ethan rolls his eyes and begs to do something else because Ethan can't seem to stand still in one place for more than 13 seconds. Ethan uh, is also not interested in sharing his opinion. He doesn't see the point of speaking when he could be organizing, working, doing something else. There is a, a man who said to me, this is a man who said to me, I don't watch movies. They are too long. <laughs> I love Ethan. When asked, Ethan, why do you work so many jobs? He says, eh, I like the money. But Ethan, Ethan's lying. <laughs> uh, yes, he might like money, but Ethan quietly gets after any project or, or job you give him because Ethan loves being a part of a team and he loves seeing things come together. And on Wednesday, um, Eric, his small group leader, asked his small group, what event at youth group has been your favorite memory in your time at youth group? And most students will say something like, the hiking trips, the retreats, the Memphis trip. But Ethan said, Holy Week. I was standing in earshot, and I just like stopped. I'm like, students usually don't find Holy Week more meaningful than giant trips designed for student overstimulation. But Ethan said, Ethan said, Holy Week, just all the work. He said, all the late nights and working together. On Easter, it was just fun to see it come together. That sentence is Ethan in a nutshell. Ethan, this is why I name in you the gift of administration. Everyone loves the creative and charismatic voices in the room. But without administrative people, the flashy stuff, it fades real quick. Worship, mission, discipleship, and wholeness. These, these pursuits of our church aren't fundamentally, flat, aren't fundamentally flashy and stimulating pursuits. After the initial excitement, they eventually require organizing, 
restructuring and administration. Organizing and administering the church is holy work, Ethan. I pray you never think that the work of the church is simply singing, teaching, or some creative exercise. Let me tell you, let me tell you this place does not run without those people who are willing to organize and work and lift and move and push and pull and send that email and hang out with that preschooler and set up that game for youth group. And you did all of that over the past year. You've done all of those things and you've helped organize our chaos and help this place and these people come together. Ethan, we love you and we're proud of you. Okay, Ella Irwin. Okay, so it's easy to say that Ella is quiet. That's true. Um, it's easy to say that Ella is smart and capable. All of that is also true. But what is interesting about Ella is while she might think she is shy, I don't think she really is. I have this working theory about Ella. She isn't so much shy as she is patient. Ella shared the story, this story on Wednesday about the first time she came to youth group, and I'm glad you did because it gives me permission to share it. Uh, Ella showed up to youth group in seventh grade at our Halloween black light party. Um, this party is black lights, streamers, fog machines, glow sticks, and music that goes <laughs> It's not exactly an introvert's paradise. Ella said maybe two words and stood on the side of the room and just kind of looked around with her arms crossed, and I thought, well, I hope she's having a good time. <laughs> Flash forward to this year's Halloween party. In walks someone I do not recognize. Someone with a skull cap, gold chains, bright clothing. This person comes in like a, she comes in like a house on fire, smiling and walking with attitude. I didn't recognize who it was at first until I realized it was Ella. I said, Ella, who in the world are you dressed up as? She looked at me over the top of her aviator glasses and said, I'm Pitbull. <laughs> Ella is not shy. She's just a slow burn. She just warms up to the room a little slower than you. Her senior year, Ella would often hang around after youth group and she'd want to talk um, after youth group was done. And at first I thought she was helping me clean up so I could get home faster. But I realized that she was actually wanting to talk, wanting some time to talk about life. Ella had never talked and opened up like that before. But I realized that Ella was working through a lot of heavy stuff. A lot of students, you know, walk around and they, tr they hide their struggles. But Ella was standing there by the kitchen counter, talking and working through all these things that she'd been carrying for a long time. Concerns about parents and relationships and her future, her school, her friends and her faith. And Ella, this is why I named you the gift of discernment. What I found interesting about all of our conversations was that Ella was never looking to fix things. She was always looking for a way forward. Whether it was friends or family or even struggles with herself, Ella was always patient with the problem and the people involved, and she was always seeking how to discern a healthy and whole way forward. Ella, thank you for opening up and talking to me about your life. The way you think about things, the way you confess your faults, the way you are patient with your enemies, the way you are always looking for a healthy way forward is something that I admire a lot. Ella, we love you and we're proud of you. Um, two more. I'm so sorry. We're going a little long. Two more. Jess, come on up. Jess Binger. 
This is Jess Pittenger. You're probably used to seeing her sing on Sunday morning. I bet you didn't realize she was a senior in high school. A lot of people hear Jess's voice and they go, wow, what a beautiful singing voice. When I hear Jess's voice, I sometimes shudder in fear. <laughs> Not because her singing voice is bad, it's fantastic, but Jess is the first student I've ever had They got so frustrated with me that she, for about 20 minutes, verbally let me have it. <laughs> she was so angry at me, she walked into our intern meeting and needless to say, she let me, know about her let me know about her frustrations. Ethan was in the room, and poor Ethan was hiding under the table. In fact, at one point, Jess is like, Ethan and I text about it right after. And I look over at Ethan, and Ethan is just shaking his head like, do not say my name right now. Uh, this year, Jess, as an intern, was responsible for the youth band. And she did a great job communicating and organizing the band. She built relationships with the band members and even worked through conflicts and tried to cast a vision for the future after she graduated. And all of that was truly fantastic and everything I asked her to do. But in January, COVID came back with a vengeance and our, and our youth group attendance dropped really low. And singing, and singing worship in here to like 15 people is kind of awkward. So all throughout January, Jess would get everything planned by Monday send out a text to the whole band, and she would start practicing the songs at home on her own. Then each Wednesday, that following Wednesday in January, I would wait, I'd wait till that Wednesday to get a sense of if we're going to have a critical mass of people, and we never really did. And when I felt like it wasn't going to be enough people to really do music, I would send a text out and I'd cancel music. And Jess was not a fan of this. <laughs> not because I was wrong about canceling music, but in her words... You put me in charge of music and worship, and you just make a decision without consulting me? That's not cool, man. <laughs> she was right. Uh, Jess and I are good, I think. Uh, we, resolved, <laughs> yeah. we resolved the conflict, but after this moment, I started noticing a pattern with Jess. Jess will get involved with something, a job, a performance, a worship band, an intern team, and she will go all in. And you should have seen her at soccer camp this past summer, running the gaga ball pit, standing on the side of the pit, towering over the kids while they played, barking orders and running the most chaotic station with this odd combination of power and joy and the kids smiling like crazy. I was stunned. I called your father and I was like, Jess is incredible at leading kids. And Jess, this is why I name in you the gift of leadership. I noticed this pattern about you. You will go all in on something. You will gather up your people you will embrace the challenge of whatever you are involved in with this sense of confidence and joy that I admire a lot. And people respond to it, and they respond to you. However, as I found out, and as I started to hear in your stories about all the things you're involved in, if other people don't match your level of commitment, you'll let them hear about it. <laughs> you better match her commitment, or she's going to let you know. And honestly, Jess, I kind of love it. I'm not saying you should just bulldoze people. I know you know that. But that's not, you know, that, I know that. But I love that when you are given a responsibility and everyone asks you to fulfill your responsibility, you not only fulfill it, you hold us accountable for what it is we said we wanted. Just keep leading. But remember, there will always be people who can't match your commitment and passion. I can barely match it. Jess, we love you and we're proud of you. Last one, Tanner Coltvet. Yeah.
I said it. Tanner loves to play games, like board games, group games, RPGs, phone games, video games. Tanner loves games. Scratch that, actually. I'm not sure he loves games. He loves to figure things out. He loves to see how the games work. And then he loves to watch it burn to the ground. <laughs> Throughout Tanner's time in youth group, if there's one thing I would say I could consistently rely on, it was that whatever game we played at youth group, I better solidify the rules of the game <laughs> because Tanner was gonna pick them apart, find a loophole, and then do one of two things. Try to use the loophole for his own advantage or break the game and watch it crumble and laugh. <laughs> His choice between one and two always was somewhat random, and I could never find a, a, a pattern there. <laughs> Tanner loves to figure things out, and he loves to find the inner workings of systems and learn them to predict outcomes. And this at times would mean Tanner was an extension of my leadership. Like in Colorado, when Tristan was climbing into the woods on his own, and I would say, Tristan, please stay with the group, and Tristan would get upset. I would watch Tanner, I would watch Tanner know, know what I wanted and why I wanted it, and I never said anything to you, and my rationale for why Tristan should stay with the group, and he would come over, put his hand on his shoulder, and explain to him, explain to him in a way that, Tanner accept, or that Tristan accepted. But this intuitive reading of my expectations backfired on Tanner when he would randomly do something mischievous, and I would, I, and I would at times be more frustrated with him than I should be because I know he knows what it is I expect and what I wanted. <laughs> Tanner can be serious and contemplative and earnest. And he can be mischievous and hilarious and wildly inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> but Tanner always knows what's going on. He all, he, 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 you get these students at times who hear what you're saying, but also know why you're saying it. They read context, they intuit outcomes, they're weighing variables and, and determining their response and their responsibilities. So, so on, the, on, the, on the one hand, I want to give you the gift of discernment, Tanner, but I'm actually not going to do that. Tanner, I name in you the gift of interpretation because when you are communicating to people and helping them to see what they can't see or hear what they don't hear, you are magic and you have this ability to do that, say hard things that other students can't do. When you are helping communities, this is my point, you saw this. <laughs> Tanner, when you are helping communities talk to each other, when you're helping friends listen to each other, you are at your best. Tanner, keep learning, keep growing, and your gift of interpretation will continue to grow and mature along with you. Tanner, we love you and we're proud of you. So what we're going to do now is going to be kind of messy, but I want to ask the senior class if you would just all come on up here and kind of just stand like this. And then I'm going to ask their parents if you would come up too and your families, um, small group leaders, people who, were, who led these kids in, their, um, in children's ministry. And if you've had an impact on the life of these kids, come on up here and just kind of stand around them. And if you would just put a, put a hand on their shoulder. 
And um, then I would invite the rest of Redemption Church, if you would stand up together, and we're going to pray a blessing on, on our senior class. It's one of those things we talked about, how often we've done this every single week. We've blessed you guys. And, and part of the time, thinking about today, you know, and what a joy it is to see you guys crossing this threshold. It's really cool. And it makes us super proud. So um, we're going to bless you guys. Um, hopefully not for the last time, but for the last time like this, you know. So if you would, Redemption Church, raise a hand and blessing toward them. And I'm going to try to get through this um, prayer. <laughs> All right, let's pray. <clears throat> Almighty God, you have created us in your image and designed us for life with you. Today we give you thanks and praise for our graduates and their families, and our hearts rejoice at this great milestone in their lives. We thank you for each one of these graduates. They have blessed their families and their church with their unique gifts so much already, and we're so proud of them. We celebrate each of them. We celebrate in each of them the unique spiritual gifts Cole has named here today. And we pray that they will look to you to know how to steward those gifts for the life of the world. And so we ask you to bless them this day, to protect them from the powers of darkness and chaos, to keep them safe, to make them healthy and strong, to continue to help them grow and mature. And when they struggle, we pray that they would sense how close you are to them how much you love them, and that your presence would be a comfort to them. And we call them forward once again this day to join with the body of Christ, to give their hearts to you, to stay connected to the church, to contend against evil in the world, to fight for peace and justice, to bear witness with their lives to the good news of Christ's redemption, and when things get difficult, to reach out to you, to reach out to the church, and hold on tight. More than anything, we pray, as we have done so many times before, that there would never be a single moment in their lives that they don't feel part of the people of God, and so we bless them this day, and ask you to bless them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen, you guys. Okay, we're going to take a couple minutes. We're going to take a couple minutes. Say hello to some folks. Or 